Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with John Guarnari. John is an expert in personal security, surveillance, crowd management, and tour security, having managed security operations for nearly 20 well-known bands such as Nickelback, Shinedown, and Motley Crue. John also directs security for several international cruise lines, as well as notable musical festivals and events such as Fleet Week, Air Show, and the Beach Road Music Festival. John began his career in protection as a federal police officer for the U.S. Secret Service in the Presidential Security Division. In his current role as Chief Operating Officer of Silver Spear Security, He also manages a podcast called Spear Talk, where he discusses a range of topics, including the life on the road as a security professional. John, welcome to the OnTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast. Awesome, Fred. That's uh, great to be here. And uh, I didn't realize you actually did your own podcast. And when I kind of did some research on the show, like you've had some amazing guests. So it's an honor to be here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's certainly our pleasure. I have to say, John, that you must have one of the coolest jobs in the business, uh, managing security for rock bands like Nickelback, Shinedown, and Motley Crue. How the heck did you get into that? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I, it all kind of started growing up as a kid. I always loved doing like the cops and robbers, good guy versus bad guy. And I've always had a fascination with a RoboCop and always these the hero put in these dire situations and it comes out on top. And it's, so I, as I get older, I've, I knew I wanted to serve in law enforcement or serve others, whether military or, or something like that. And so I actually went to Norwich University, uh, which is the oldest military college in America. And I did the Navy ROTC. And my, my goal was to commission as a second lieutenant, some, doing something in the Navy. I love the submarine stuff. Uh, but my dad got sick. So long story short, um, I was afraid that if I commissioned when I graduated, I wouldn't be able to help my mom and sisters. So I kind of just stayed in the ROTC, graduated with everything there. But with the whole process, my friend that graduated two years prior from college uh, joined the Secret Service. He was on the presidential motorcade. Um, and him and I were kind of on the same page in terms of the service to others, but like the high-speed uh, protection aspect of it. And so I started the process my junior year in 2007. And uh, the whole year process leading up to graduation from background checks to polygraphs to physical evaluations to all the stuff that comes with that. Um, I joined the Secret Service. I did that uh, from 2008 to 2014. And then and, uh, from that point on, I launched uh, Silver Spear Security with my CEO now, Chris Loudon. And uh, we specialize in, uh, like you said, uh, big selling arena rock bands. Uh, but we also do a lot of the maritime security, a lot of those theme cruises, as well as a lot of red carpet events like award shows and stuff like that. So it's a full spectrum of security work. Um, and the job is always ever changing, whether a pandemic or a recent, God forbid, active shooter situation. It's one of those fields that I have never lost my passion for it. Um, 
it kind of to go back to well, the transition of the secret service to the, the 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 actual the side I do now with like the private security. I never lost my love of service protection. I love the idea of it. Well, you must have an amazing life uh, dealing with uh, some of these high-profile bands. I can only imagine the kind of challenges that might present itself. What are some of the unique things that people don't think about when it comes to protecting these rock stars? Um, I mean, there's been times. So when it comes to like hotels and stuff and days off, obviously fans are aware of when we roll into a city based on our schedules, which are very out there in terms of, hey, you know they're going to be here the night before or whatever. Uh, so there's been times, specifically in other countries uh, like South America and Russia, where we'll 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 get creative with changing rooms on the fly because you don't. It's not. A tr- I mean, it is a trust thing because some of these people, you'll have autograph seekers or crazy fan type people that will pay bellhops or certain people in the this industry we're in to tell us where we're staying and stuff like that. So there's this one time in Russia where I switched the room with my singer at the time. And sure enough, I walked in the room and there were two like women. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is... So that gets handled. And that, it's kind of comical, and it is. But you, it makes you wonder, like especially in these other countries, like wh- who's telling what information, who's leaking what. And I watched this one hedge fund kid and we're in South America and we have to like kind of like debug the rooms and all this stuff because his dad's someone of high importance. And so that aspect, it's always, it's, it's, it's super crazy. like that. A lot of times you see on TV shows or movies, you're kind of like, Oh God, this like what this is episode, whatever. But I mean, that stuff does happen. Does it happen all the time? No, but the 5% does happen. You have to take it seriously. And the day and age now with social media, anyone can get on a keyboard now and type, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. Or why did you play the song? And that happens like every couple of tours where, Maybe years ago, before uh, recent shootings and uh, after the dawn of the social media boom, you, you kind of, oh, whatever. But now, with this world, you treat everything as a threat. And so if you have hear someone say, hey, I'm coming to the show and I'm pissed off or I want to meet you by the bus or whatever, you take that seriously. And this recent time in Toronto, uh, my bass player uh, was getting threats, weird threats, weird verbiage via Instagram. Say, hey, your music, let's make tonight special. No one's going to forget this night. And wording, it was just very, very just bizarre. Like, you'd make your, if you read it down, I could send it to you, friend. You'd be like, this is bizarre. Right. You made your hair stand up. And so we get to the show the night before I get a message. I'll say, hey, I need you to help me make this memorable. I'm coming to the show. And so we take it threat seriously. We just, we put the information out to the local police, uh, the venue staff. They catch the, the guy comes in, the kid. And they keep eyes on him. They have an undercover security guy with him, just making sure nothing happened. Um, but it's one of those things you got to take seriously. And uh, it's great to work with like local law enforcement stuff uh, that could kind of help check on this stuff. Um, a lot of times, some of these fans they need welfare checks, and it's like maybe they're off their medication. I just don't want. I'm just not in the business of being put in a position where these guys or whoever with isn't feel safe, and so. It's a lot of due diligence, a lot of advanced work, obviously, which you're aware of. Um, but yeah, stuff like that happens. And coming out of the pandemic, I think that first year or so, people were so amped up with music and live events and sporting events. And I think the emotion aspect of it kind of took over a lot of people. And so 
as we kind of move away from that into like the normal normal scheduling, I think hopefully some of that passion will subside to just be fans of the music and not one of those things, oh my God, I missed you for three years. I need to hug you type people. You know, John, uh, back in the 70s, I saw Elvis live. To, that kind of tells you how old I am, right? And uh, it, there seemed to always be like a three-ring circus around him with just fans and and people wanting to touch him and greet him and so forth. So when you're at an event like this and you're with one of these big-time bands, what are you thinking about? Are you on the stage wait, waiting to like uh, intercede in the event to get somebody rush the stage? Or what's running through your mind? So my big thing, kind of, I'll go through my preparation. When we're like an hour out, um, before our, my main guys walk to the stage, I'll walk around the barricade area, the stage area. I'll check on the crew guys. And I'll just kind of, at this point, the whole day before, is the doors usually open like three to four hours before a show. I'm well aware of who's going to be in the front row. It's usually the same people. Um, and I'm just kind of scanning. Now, one of the, the tough parts about this job, and this isn't a slight against venue security or staff because there's amazing companies and people out there. You're putting your trust in someone at the door uh, who's who's treating this as a just to put a roof on their head. And I'm not knocking those people because I think people that are working, especially today's day and age, you have to work, and I appreciate it. But with this, the people that are successful in this industry, but specifically security, they, this is their passion. This is their life. This is a, for, I never looked at this as my job. This is, this is my hobby that I love. And, and so for me, I'm always wondering, well, God, if we're in a meet and greet. Did they actually check that guy's pockets? Or if the, the, the walkthrough magnetometer went off, did he actually do his job and make sure there wasn't a belt knife uh, or a, a stick or something, or even a laser pointer, which could affect someone falling off a stage? And so I'm always cognizant of that. Um, but when the show goes on, as we walk to stage, I'm kind of people that know me or know the band know where I'm going to be. They know I, I make sure people know they know I'm there. Um, but it's just walking around the barricade, checking on the local staff, checking on our crew. I know the motions and the, how the stage is set up with the set list and all this stuff. And so I can tell just by looking at my guys, this is an issue. And one of the cool things I have with this band now, Shine Down is that they, these guys, I can just look at them or they can make a notion with their forehead or nose or just whatever, look at me and look at the crowd. I know it's a situation, whether it's a medical or shooting, or not a shooting, but like a, a fight. Um, and it all goes back to kind of, when events like the, the Asteroid happened, a lot of the stuff, should, that should never have happened. Um, not the initial event, but the how they handled it. And we have this unspoken rule where it's like, hey, if there looks like a fight or a medical situation or someone's having a stroke or diabetic or two drunk guys are fighting, we're going to stop the show and handle the situation before the show goes on because the safety of not only the band and crew, but the fans and the ushers and the actual staff at the venue uh, need to have that that kind of protection. And so you're talking about the Travis Scott concert. Yes. Right? Yes. Down in, I believe, Houston. And it's we try and maintain that we don't want that to happen in our shows. and. It's it's a lot of advanced work. It's a lot of preparation. Um, yes, it's kind of corny to say, but head on a swivel. It, it's true, though. But even if you're not in the security world, if you're a stay-at-home mom or go to the grocery store or the movies with your kids, like, your head should always be on a swivel. And um, it's just when I watch the crowd sometimes, so, people, so many people are so enthralled by the music 
is that when events do happen, like Las Vegas shooting or the Manchester bombing with Ariana Grande or other events like that, Bataclan, people aren't aware of what's happening. And I think it's one of those things where it's unfortunate that we have to live in a society where kids have to know what active shooter training is at schools. Or, But when it comes to concerts, people should be aware of exits and procedures and this type of stuff. If we're in a tornado alley in the, in the USA and some of these states where that stuff could happen, like what's the procedure if the siren goes off? It's If you put an extra 10 minutes of your day into preparing yourself to go to a concert, don't wear sandals to a concert. Don't – little things like this. I mean I think it, it goes a long way. Um, but at the end of the day, people should feel safe. The band should feel safe on stage, and the band should feel safe or watching a Broadway show or going to a sporting event. So it's it's a lot, uh, but when, as you get used to it, you fall into a pattern. Um, it, it's really I love being in this habitat. I love when stuff changes on the fly, and so there's been times with power outages at shows and a biker rally and crowds getting rowdy, and it's it's just stuff like that for me. It's exciting because now you have to adapt to the situation and be successful at it, which. Uh, knock on wood, I've been pretty good at it. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontech Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontech.co slash center. That's ontech.co slash center. John, uh, for many people, you've got a dream job, especially in the security space, but I imagine uh, it's uh, a tough life in that you're living the life of these band members and you're on the road a lot. What's uh, some of the challenges behind the scenes from that aspect for those of us in our business that really wouldn't understand what kind of job this is? I I think a lot of times, to kind of go back to what I said earlier, when you watch a movie or TV show, I mean, believe me, I. There's not a lot of movies out there when it comes to someone in like the bodyguard world outside of the Whitney Houston Kevin Costner movie, uh, which is amazing. Uh, but people always think like, oh, it's it's this crazy like always action. There's fights. There's crazy red carpet brawls or there's drama. All this tabloid TMZ stuff. And sure, that's a very very small part of it. But the monotony of the day to day of waking up and doing these little things like standing outside the dressing room or doing stuff. And so for my job as a, out here, I kind of handle all their PR as well in terms of what gets filtered down to the band when it comes to, hey, we have to go off site for this radio press or we got to do this a charity event. And there's a lot of planning that goes into this, whether it's how we're going to get there, routes we're taking, if there's an accident or we get stuck in a protest, which has happened in Paris a couple of years ago pre-COVID. Uh, I believe the yellow vests they were called were protesting against the government and we were in one hotel and we're trying to get to our venue and the protest breaks out. There's flares everywhere. There's a red mass arrest and we have to on the fly go down these side streets and navigate. Yes, we had a great driver, but that type of stuff, you have to always be prepared for it. Um, but it's there. The advanced work in this world is what's going to set you apart. A lot of times 
you will see people, or I will see people uh, that, oh, I'm ex-Special Forces guy, or I'm ex-Secret Service, or I'm former Sergeant Cop that took down uh, a drug smuggling ring. It's like, great. Thank you for your service. I appreciate what you did. We need more people like you. But that doesn't mean you're going to be a good security person. Some of my best hires have been people that are quick thinking, know what customer service is, and have an air of confidence about them to do the job. And for me, you, we, we have to – this industry is a great industry, but it's so tough to filter out the bad people because people assume, uh, like I said, that those people that are the big strong guys or – Oh, I'm a former sniper. Well, man, if you're doing protection on a red carpet, you're not having your sniper rifle out there. Right. This is a lot of times these people. And the other thing, too, as you know, Fred, when it comes to teamworks, when you work with different police agencies, there's a lot of ego. And ego gets in the way of a conducive work environment. And the actual mission should be, hey, let's pull a show off safely. So when I do my meetings in advance work. If I'm talking to a local police chief or we're doing the Blue Angels air show in San Francisco, I want to be tied into the military, the local event staff, the, the police, the security company. And w- what's the ultimate goal here? To make sure we have a successful show. And a lot of times when I roll to venues, there is a lot of ego, especially with other camps. If we're at a festival, like, oh, I'm, I'm this guy. Like, I don't care. Um, and so it's, it's, you got to just kind of, you wake up each day and just figure out what the mission is and how do you get there. Um, and if there's roadblocks or stuff that pops up, sure, you'll handle it. But again, I'm also not too afraid to ask for help. And so that's another thing, too. A lot of people in this industry, they think they can just do all this on their own. And if you, sometimes you can, but sometimes, hey, man, I need help. Or, hey, can I bring in an extra guy because I got to make sure this, this area back here is weird or the parking or the – I don't know if I trust this kitchen staff, so let's put someone here. It's like – it's okay to ask for help. And a lot of times when people don't ask for help, that's when stuff kind of falls apart. Yeah, for sure. And I know you have a wonderful Instagram account uh, where you have a lot of great pictures from behind the scenes and so forth. And and it appears that uh, you are like part of the band. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where I, I treat my social media, I try to be very positive on there. Uh, and I treat it, so, so people that know me, no, I'm very um, engaging, very – I mean, that sounds stupid to say it, but I am very funny. Um, but they know me when, – when the crew guys or people are having a bad day, they know they can come to me and I'll cheer them up or motivate them. And I, I look at that from – I mean, I follow a lot of people too, like whether it's Jocko, uh, Jocko Wilnick, uh, Dave Gogans, people like that, uh, Grant Cardone, people of different – Gary V. So every time when I watch those people – the inspiration, the motivation is what I draw from that. And so I use my social media a lot of times as a kind of a motivational thing. Like, hey, you can laugh, be fun, but when it's game time, I'm going I'm to run through a wall for you or we're going to get this handled. And so these guys, the Shinedown guys are amazing. I've been with them since 2018 and uh, we've been all over the world a bunch of times as so we keep going. And uh, it's, it's good. I have the honor and privilege to work with really great people. And those guys in that camp, um, they treat you like family. and. Uh, it's a lot of it's it's a lot of work, a lot of long days, but the reward is knowing that you're serving others, uh, especially the group of guys like them. That their music helps a lot of people, and so uh, yeah, we have so much fun out there on days off. Like I know today we're going to the the, the uh, Pirates game, and so we try and 
we try to keep the community aspect, the family aspect out here because people on the road with kid, without their kids and families and loved ones. And so what can we do on days off, whether it's do bowling events or top golf and, and just have fun, which again, adds more to what I'm doing because we just can't roll into a certain area in a town without planning because the fans or people will know it'll get out with pictures and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, they, they, they are a great, uh, group, great group of guys. John, uh, what's a, a funny story from your time and spending protecting, you know, the likes of a shine down or a cheap trick or a daughtry? I mean, there's so many moments. I mean, I think what's surreal for me um, is that I've I've met every world leader. I've met every celebrity you can think of, and I'm so numb to it. And so for me, uh, we so when Cheap Trick when they opened for Nickelback, we did a Canada run, I believe, in 2016. Um, great tour, and it, just getting to know Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander and the rest of Dax, the, that that band. It's surreal to me. And so every time I'm in Chicago, uh, Rick Neil or uh, Nielsen, uh, he has a pizza place he co-owns called Peace. Um, and it's amazing. Some of the best pizza in the country, I think. And it's just weird. Every time he, he follows me, and so he knows if I have a day off in town or where I'm going to be. He's like, hey, come get a slice. And so the first time we did that, um, I'm with the Shino guys. They're like, hey, you guys want to go grab pizza? I know this place called Peace. I know Rick Nielsen's going to be the there and stuff. They're like, what? Like, how do you know this guy? And sure enough, so I walk in there and he comes up to me and hugs me. And like, we're talking. It just completely ignores some of the band guys. And they're just looking at me going, how is this even, how did you even strike up this, this friendship? And so for me, I'm lucky to make friends with people like that because not only they know you're doing your job, but you care about what you do and you care about them. But if you're genuine, um, you can kind of forge those relationships. And so that happens all the time where I'm like, oh, let's go hang out at this NASCAR track because I know this guy or let's go do this thing or um, they're all they're all good people. Um, and again, like I have the privilege and honor to work with really good people and I wouldn't work with people that aren't like that. Um, there's been times uh, we've gone to water parks and crazy shenanigans have ensued. Um, there's this one time, God, this is 24, 14, 2015, maybe. We were in an Irish bar, um, maybe a pub. It was some of that. We had like two weeks off. Uh, so me and the crew guys uh, from Nickelback were at this um, place in Dublin outside, I think, Temple Bar. And we were, I was dared to do this, uh, reenact the Dirty Dancing where he lifts up this <laughs> girl. And uh, so one of our the crew girls, I think, ran up to me and I nearly threw her through the bay window. and. We were just all laughing. It's like moments like that where it's like, it's just us having a good time. And so, I mean, it, it, honestly, it happens all the time. Um, some of the stories, nothing, I mean, there's nothing too crazy per se, but it's just those moments uh, that you share with people that you spend. I mean, normal year, I'm on the road 300 days a year. And so I spend my life around with a lot of these people that a lot, I mean, I miss a ton of weddings and, births of nieces and nephews and stuff like that where it's like people understand what i do and so when we can have fun and do this type of stuff uh we do it john is there anything that i haven't asked you that you would like to say well i, I do what I, I hate plugging my podcast but i want to say this when it came to spear talk i launched it at the start of the pandemic because i was afraid of losing the human connection um 
to people. And I, one of the big things about I love about touring is that I can roll into a city and, oh, I know the police chief or I know that's the venue security manager. And we can just laugh and talk, talk about our families and stuff. And just you, these people you build these awesome relationships with that you trust working with. And I, I didn't want to lose that aspect. And I, at the same time, I was kind of like, well, with the pandemic, hit, I need to start reading again. I mean, I remember reading book reports just because I had to. And I'll always read Stephen King because uh, I have that sense of dark, macabre, like love of that weirdness. Uh, but when I started the podcast, like, well, I want to do two things here. I want to have guests on where I have to read their books, whether it's autobiographies or books like Chasing Shadows. And also talk to these people who have their stories to actually tell. And so when I started that, um, I found amazing guests from actors, martial artists, uh, NASA scientists, ufologists, all these crazy backgrounds. But I will say this, your episode, Fred, uh, with Ted Andre, um, still to this day, it's such a rad, interesting thing. And I never thought I would have, when I started that, I would have had a guest like you on there. Because if anyone knows you, um, with your background, your pedigree, like I always thought, well, I'll just have my friends that I know in the industry, whether it's people at that or bands or artists. But if I, when I was able to reach out and get connected uh, to you via Jason Piccolo, um, I was just blown away that, man, Fred's taking this time to jump on my podcast. So I've, I, for you to do that for me is just awesome. And uh, we'll have to do a part two again. But yeah, it's this podcast thing is super interesting because you always get to hear people outside their different light or outside their world. And uh, you have a great one here as well. Well, thank you very much, John. We really appreciate you being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Awesome. It's been a blast. And uh, I wish you guys all the success with this. This episode was brought to you by the OnTick Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Nobles. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.